Welcome to Dad Devotionals with Dave Domzowski. This is the place for Christian fathers, husbands, and those who love them to find the inspiration, grace, and guidance to help you live God's will for your life and finish your race strong. We share scripture readings, prayers, and advice to help you in your personal and professional life. Now pop in the earbuds or turn up the volume and let's get to today's episode. Hey guys, before we begin here, I want to tell you one thing. As Orthodox Christian men, we're called to be leaders in our homes, our church, our community, and our places of work. That's why I created my leadership course, Heroic Leadership, How Heroes Rise Above Crisis. Heroic Leadership is a crash course in crisis management with interviews with top leaders like Jeffrey Hazlett, Sarah Staley, Chris Salem, Adrian Shepard, and more. It's usually $197, but I'm offering 30% off with promo code DADTIME. That's D-A-D-T-I-M-E. Just go to daviddomzowski.com slash heroic leadership. That's D-A-V-I-D-D-O-M-Z-A-L-S-K-I dot com slash heroic hyphen leadership. Heroic leadership. Time to answer the call. Hey guys, Dave here. Really quick before we get to our interview with Dr. Rossi, I want to just say we had some difficulty with the audio. Uh, so you might hear some feedback throughout the interview, but I don't think it takes away from what Dr. Rossi shares about fathers and addiction, about meditation and how we can counteract some of those effects of addiction and get get us as as our as dads just in a better mindset and you know focus more on uh you know what what God requires of us and then he also shares some really great and interesting stories and, and advice just from his years of being a father and grandfather so you're going to want to listen attentively if you have a pen and paper nearby or you have your you have your pad or you, even even in your cell phone and your notes app you know take a couple of notes um you know Take note of where you heard something at, at at what point in the podcast, and then go back and and just you might want to listen to this one at least once or twice, um, and just share it with your share it with another dad or even or, or even uh, your wife if you think that they would benefit. All right, thanks so much. Now, without further ado, here's my interview with Dr. Albert Rossi. Hey there, folks. Welcome to Dad Devotionals. My guest today is Dr. Albert Rossi. Dr. Rossi is a clinical psychologist, the director of counseling and psychological services at St. Vladimir's Orthodox Theological Seminary, where he also teaches courses in pastoral theology. He's also the author of the book, Becoming a Healing Presence, and hosts the Becoming a Healing Presence podcast on Ancient Faith Radio. And he joins us today to discuss dads and addiction. Dr. Rossi, thanks for joining us today on Dad Devotionals. It's great to have you. Hi, Joy. Thanks, Dave. <clears throat> First thing, uh, you know, before we begin here, Dr. Rossi, is there anything that you wanted to add to that intro I just gave? No, that's fine. Except to say I'm the father of <clears throat> two adult children and a grandfather of five. Wow. Four boys and one girl. So full plate here, especially in uh, quarantine time, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, we do play hangman, all of us, all 10 of us, once a week. So on virtual. That, that's pretty cool. I like that. <laughs> I'd like to see how that plays out, though. <laughs> uh, 
Um, can you tell us about your forthcoming book before we get into the main topic here, all is well? Yeah, in a word, when I told a colleague, hey, what are you writing a book all is well? Oh, that's a difficult topic because all does not seem well at all. Hmm. The perfect summary of the book is from the foreword written by Bishop John Abdullah, Antiochian, New England, whose opening line says, all is well because the tomb is empty. Mm. So we need to see good for good and name it, see evil for evil and name it, and then see through it and understand there's more to all this than meets the eye. That's what the book is about. Okay, I appreciate that. And I think that's actually, you know, uh, naming the evil. I think that's actually really good for our topic today. Um, so I brought you on to talk about dads and addiction. Can you first touch on the theological and psychological dimensions of fatherhood? I think that really set the table nicely here. Sure, I'd like to do that. Um, dads, the word dads from this podcast, obviously comes from the word father. And we believe that we understand that a good human father, we know him by looking at our blessed father in heaven, not the other way around. We don't look at a really good human father and say, oh, now I understand God the Father in heaven better. No, no, it's always that way around. And then we come up against a very interesting question. Okay, how do I know the Father in heaven? Well, the answer to that is very clear in one word, Jesus. He said, I and the Father are one. And when in John 10 with Philip, Philip, asked him, show us the Father, and Jesus appeared to get exasperated. Oh, Philip, how long have I been with you? Heaven, don't you know that whoever sees me sees the Father? So, so that's our criterion. And in Isaiah, it says, Isaiah 9, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Isaiah calls Jesus Father. So Jesus is the Father we turn to. And of course, I and those listening <laughs> know we're near Jesus, but that's our criteria. And it's very fingerprinty. It's very tangible. It's not, oh, I have this idea of Father in the iCloud. No, no. It's Jesus Christ who showed us how to live a human life. So all that said, um, theologically, psychologically, the word father means a man firm as an oak tree and soft as silk at the same time. Now, granted, it's paradox and very difficult. <laughs> I know how difficult it really can be. I'll give two examples from my daughter when she was young. As so, the first example will take a little bit of time, but necessary. She was three years old. Where we lived was a house high on a hill, 36 steps to the right from the driveway up to the house. And at the top where the house was, was a 12 foot level piece of grass, then a slope of about 60 degrees for quite a ways to a wall that was about three feet high. One Saturday, I was teaching at the university till two, we had one car. So my wife and I agreed, she would meet me at the base of the steps at 2.30 and she would take the car and I would watch Beth. Mm -hmm. I was looking at Beth 
my wife is looking at me, my wife is a nurse, looking at me. Beth was on top of the level ground on her tricycle, waving to me. Oh, hi, Dad, hi, Dad, hi, Dad, hi, Dad, hi, Dad. And all at once, the tricycle got out of control, and she came down that grassy slope, really, with her feet off the pedals, really fast. Wow. And then the tricycle dropped off, and she just at the wall, and she kept right on going and hit her head against the grain. So the whole movement, which I saw exactly, <clears throat> was the movement of breaking one's neck. That's the way to break one's neck, mm -hmm. fall against the spine. <clears throat> well, Beth let out an enormous scream. My wife turned to her, we both turned to her. My wife, the nurse, said to me, don't touch her. My wife went up to the house, got wet towels, came back down, I didn't touch Beth. and my wife determined quickly that her neck was not broken, would take her to the hospital. Get to the hospital, and my wife is holding Beth, who has a big purple um, egg on her forehead, middle of her forehead, and Beth is screaming in my ear as I'm driving. I'll never forget the day, because it was an, an October day, um, <clears throat> nice weather. Got to St. Agnes Hospital two in the afternoon, three o'clock in the afternoon, and they did not let us accompany Beth. They took Beth away to a ER placement, but it was simply, how do I say, cloth walls between rooms. So you could hear everything that was going on. We heard that screaming, 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 then the, for an hour, and then the, uh, the screaming died down. And then they came and got us and we went, looking down at Beth who was holding a lollipop, had this big purple forehead and then, to my utter amazement, she looked at me, not her mother. She said very clearly, Daddy, why didn't you catch me? Oh. My heart sank. Oh, She's three years old. I can't say some, you know, Papa, I would have caught you if I could, Papa. No, no. All I did was hug her and say, I love you. Hmm. But my point is, her expectation is absolutely legitimate. Her expectation that her dad is the firewall between her and danger, all danger, is legitimate. <clears throat> and interestingly enough, my Beth is now 45, three children of her own, two teenagers, la la la, and a girl. Um, now, on occasion, doesn't articulate it that way, but still has that same impulse deep within her. So, uh, you know, we talk often, but I'll get a... Um, difficult call once every six or nine months, dad. And I know at that moment, I'm the firewall between her and me. She wants my opinion. There's only one person in the world who can give her an opinion, and that's me. So, so that's the soft as silk side of the man. <laughs> of course, we're always growing toward that, to be loving toward our children. The other side, firm as an oak tree. One time, Beth was also three learning to walk, and in that house was open area between one front end of the dining room and the far end of the living room. So long distance you could just see and traverse. From her end of the dining room, she simply said, held up her hands, Dad, look! And she took adult scissors, put them point in her mouth, and came running toward me. Now she didn't walk that well. Yeah. Her arms were way outstretched, scissors in her mouth, and she's waddling 
quickly toward me. Well, I went in my head crazy. When she arrived at me safely, I was serene, took the scissors from her mouth, gave her a hug, and then told her, sweetheart, that was really far too dangerous for you to ever do again. And I'm going to make sure you don't. And I gave her a, a whack mm. on the high to emphasize the point. I didn't want to do adult words. No, you got to get the message on because this is life or death. Right. Now, I don't believe in striking the child. I really don't. And when my daughter became a teenager, she said to me, you remember the time you struck me? Well, I'm never going to strike my children. I said, well, that's fine, honey. You do what you want. However, now that her children have grown, she reluctantly admits that she said to change her tune a little bit. So I don't, I'm not saying this complicated child abuse, but I am saying that in life and death situations, we need, so, so one has to be firm as well as, uh, as well as soft. Um, so in terms of expectations as a dad, and at the end, I will try to give three practical points for every man to become a better father and grandfather, including me. Um, but expectations. I need to, it doesn't matter what I expect, life is going to bring me what life brings me. But my children, my family, is going to provide my life's greatest joys. I was there when each child was born. I was there when each child graduated grade school, high school, college, and in each of them graduate school. They'll provide my greatest joys and my greatest sorrows. My heart, if I look back on my life, has been broken most by my children. Mm. That's the way it's real in life really is. So so a good father is is vulnerable and asks forgiveness of the child when the father's done wrong. Because I've had to do with my children. I really just ask for forgiveness. And a good father tries to include the children in his own path of virtue. For example, I'm a recovering alcoholic. We try to be disarmingly honest, but I'm not an honest man. <laughs> I tend to exaggerate many times. So I said to my wife and children, if I exaggerate or lie, please, you please call me on it. You be my accountability partner, okay? Okay. And over my lifetime, <laughs> my wife and my children would say, oh, dad, the fish wasn't that big. It was only this big, or some other corrective to something I said, which I was very grateful for. Well, the way that then spins out, my wife died. <clears throat> so I would regularly take my two children to visit my wife's, my wife is an only child, mm -hmm. to visit her widowed uh, mother. And we would spend a week and do things with Baba. And Baba was a gourmet cook and make these big, big meals for us. So Beth would stay with her and cook, and Timothy and I went daytime to go play golf and come back, have a big dinner. In the evenings, Baba loved to play cards. I don't love to play cards, but I can play, so I played. But the game she loved was 500 on me. So we'd begin at 7.30, dishes are done, and play 7.00. And it was not for money. It wasn't even keeping score for one most. It was game over. Okay, shuffle the deck, play again. At midnight, I got, from my other surprise, the perfect hand. 
It was all right there, ready to lay down and go out. So I said, and it's midnight, we're having Doritos and diet soda. Yeah. So I said, no, they were the most important people in my life, my mother-in-law and my two children. So I said, if I were you three, I would lay down my cards the first round because I'm gonna go out. Bubba said, oh, Al, you're lying. Timothy says, Bubba, my dad never lies. And the game went on. It was a sentence that he didn't have to say, that he did say, that didn't surprise anybody. And here we are. Now, my Timothy is like oh, 39 years old. The, that happened when he was about, I don't know, 12, 13. I still remember that sentence because, because it told me a great deal about how he perceives me. And the reason he could say my dad never lies is because he was part of my life trying not to lie. He knew that. Now he's married. He's got two boys of his own. His wife is a twin. Lovely, lovely, lovely woman. She said to me one time, she calls me Papa. Papa, Timothy never lies. I said, oh, I mean, how do you know that? Oh, no. The story was she told me that she'd hold her twin daughter, twin sister, that Timothy never lies. <laughs> I said, well, but her twin sister wasn't there. But I said, how do you know that? She said, well, because he's included me in his struggles, and I correct him, and I, he just doesn't lie. So, so what I'm saying is that including children and one's wife in one's adventure is one way to go. So, so I'll simply add this and then see what we do. Then I will say some practical things. As much as a dad can, his job is to be totally involved in the little child's life at that level, whatever the level is. With my grandchild, the eldest, Colin, one time when he was four, I said to him, Colin, I love you. He said, Papa, I know you love me. Colin, how do you know I love you? because you play on the floor with me. His operational definition of love was I was in his little life at his level. So with my own children's case, I was there for everything that I could be there for. I coached my son in the league baseball for a few years. In that league, some fathers were superb, some fathers were jerks. They'd move to their sons and would actually scream at their sons at a ball game. But I was his church school teacher and his Cub Scout and leader and soccer coach and so on. And as I was his golf manager, I couldn't coach him, but I would get him a coach. We played really good national tournament golf. Beth was the same thing. I taught her to ice skate, took me both skiing, etc. We'd go camping together as a family. My wife loved to camp. So, so involvement to the extent that one can. With my daughter, my wife had died. Um, she went to a small private girls' school and played field hockey. She was the goalie. And the team was lousy, so they always lost. So most of the play was down at her end. And, the, and watching those games, all you see is a big cloud of dust, and girls with these little sticks with a curve and banging up this little ball. And the only person he could detect was Beth. And people would be, come on, Beth, stop, 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 stop. And Beth has these pads, you know, up her navel and 
face mask and so on. And they always lost and she would come home with a migraine headache. Okay, but I was there for her every home at away game. Finally, she said to me, but at the away games, I was the only parent for the away team. <laughs> she said to me, Dad, I'm gonna ask you not to come to my away games. She got embarrassed by my involvement. Okay. And of course I didn't go to any more away games, but that's my point. That one tries, even over tries, which is okay. It's the correct one. No. So so I will say these three practical things. For me, I'm speaking to myself. What is it a man can do to become a better man? First, meditate. That's a strange word because I'm orthodox. Go to church as I can. And my own understanding is that meditation in all of Christianity, I was Roman Catholic 40 years, converted, that meditation is the best kept secret or the least done thing in all of the things that we can do, fasting for the church, so on. Um, but Father Hopko, on his 55 maxims on the internet, that he said he wrote for himself, but provided for other people because they could use it. One of his 55 maxims is every Christian, not only Orthodox, but all Christians must meditate 20 to 30 minutes a day. Must. Well, I do a lot of parish retreats. I get around, fly a lot. <laughs> I used to fly. The, um, and I would, you know, talk to people. And I find out people are doing lots of good stuff, setting up soup kitchens and so on, but not meditating. I would, so I'm, I could give a half hour lecture on that and I won't. But God clearly said, you know, in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. And the converse is implied. Hey, if you're not still, you might not know that I'm God. And if you don't know I'm God, you might not know that yourself, but you made up my image and likeness. So what does meditation mean? It means setting a timer for those who have never done it, start at 10 minutes, work up to 20 or 30. <clears throat> simply sit comfortably and then listen to one's breathing repetitively to the breath say a prayer gently slowly and over and over the Jesus prayer Lord Jesus Christ and God have mercy and may send it to the exhale or um, Lord to the you know, have mercy or any prayer that the Lord gives any prayer and then when the timer gets goes off, and one can expect distractions. I do this every day, morning and evening. And I'm tempted very much during meditation. All one does is come back to the work. One doesn't fight it or discuss it or analyze it. And when it's over, one simply goes and does the next right thing, has a cup of coffee or whatever. One doesn't analyze it. Oh, today was better than or not as good as yesterday. No, it's simply time with the work. So, Number one, meditate. Number two is um, active listen. Mm. The father really does his very best to actively listen to the um, to his wife and to the children. The active listen means simply show the other person that I heard what you said. Declarative mm. sentence ends in a period short and then it really, it really is very 
very life-giving. And when I teach self-animals, I find it saying active listening is love delivered. Mm. That's, that's love, that's attention. And it's in short supply all over, including within Christianity. Absolutely. There's some, within active listening, there's some patronizing things that no one ever says to dad or anybody. One never says ever, ever, things will get better. Now, I have <laughs> slipped and said that. I certainly had it said to me, but it's patronizing and simply wrong. Why? Because I'm not God. I can't predict the future. I might say to you, oh, you told me a big problem. Oh, things are going to get better. You might get hit by a bus this afternoon. There's no way I can predict things are going to get better for you. So, so, so we just don't do that. Um, and we never give cheap answers like, oh, time will heal, or just pray. That's not listening to the pain of it. We don't have to absorb the pain. We don't have to be depressed. People don't want us to get down depressed because they're depressed. They simply want us to give them periods. So that's the second thing. Now, I suppose, like me, you have hardware where you can surgically remove little stuff. But I'm forgetting what the third point is. Um, meditation, active listening, and, and self-care. The man must take care of himself by having some time to meditate, by getting a reasonable night's sleep, by eating as healthy as he can. But, oh, about addictions. So I'm a recovering alcoholic and had a chip for 28 years of sobriety. So about addictions, I know what I'm talking about because I'm an addict at heart. I want, and the word for an addict is more. Whatever I have, I want more of anything more please. Sometimes I'm a the, so men in our culture can be guaranteed to be tempted to one addiction or another. The addiction might be mental. He might be addicted to sarcasm. He might be addicted to fear. Oh, in these times or in any times, I have to worry and be fearful about income and work and health and oh, worry about my children and the influence upon them. And No, that... Um, we reduce worry and fear as best we can in any form. So the addiction can be sarcastic, can be doubt, it can be fear, can be one of many mental things, or it can be behavioral, as I was in my doctoral studies, addicted to wine. My wife was a nurse, got a bit early. I had to go to graduate school. I was working half-time for a psychiatrist. Nine o'clock, and my daughter would one shot at the time. Um, I would simply go in front of the television, turn it on, watch any sport that came on. Soccer, ball, puck, baseball, it didn't matter. And my wine and little munchies. And I would drink half to half gallon, knowing full well that I would have a headache the next day. But drink it. I was powerless to not drink it. Finally, it got the better of me. God provided and I drank it. <clears throat> so, so the behavioral Addictions can be alcohol, <clears throat> can be sex, can be pornography, masturbation. I teach at a seminary where there are men and women, but mostly male, and internet pornography is a big, 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 big problem. Um, 
gambling, food, so on and on. And religion can be an addiction for some. But Alpha used to say, by the priest he knew, it's every brocade made. Okay. <laughs> so, so one of the questions is, what does one do about an addictive or addictive tendency? Short version, one is, 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 is transparent and accountable. So there has to be somebody in my life besides my confessor who knows every detail of my psyche, every detail. And I do have that. It's my sponsor in, in AA. The, uh, and the antidote for serious depression, behavioral addiction is um, the 12-step program. AA or SA, Sexaholics Anonymous for Sex Addicted Pornography Viewers, or Addicted to Acting Out with Other People, or GA for Gamblers Anonymous, or OA for Overeaters Anonymous, and so on. So, so there's great hope in terms of addictions for fathers to become better men and therefore more able to be soft as silk and firm as the oak tree. So, Dave, that's as far as I'll go with all that. No, I, I appreciate that. That that was that was excellent. I, I appreciate you taking us through some some of your stories and, and your background, and then you know sharing the, uh, the things that we can do, and then also you know I mean there's just so many things out there that seem to plague guys, uh, and it, you know it's it's hard. I mean obviously there are things that that can do the same for women as well, but you know since we're focused on dads, it's really nice to be able to um, share this with folks because uh, you know I, I think there's there's some dad content out there, but there's just, there's not enough, I think. There's not, especially from an Orthodox perspective. So I appreciate this. Um, one final thing I, I want you to share with us, if you don't mind, is there a piece of scripture or a word from the church fathers that you, that you carry with you? Is there a piece of scripture or church fathers that I carry with me? Yes. <laughs> and it is voluminous. Scripture. Um, I have uh, right here in my little office, the Alexa, and on Alexa, I can ask, oh, I just said the word and she came on. Um, I can say Bible skill, and then she'll say to me, right. you know, I can read you a scripture so I can listen to that. But the scripture that I have in my heart, many of Jesus' sayings, but Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Mm. Oh, that's important to me. Or Paul's sentences. My favorite chapter of all the epistles is Philippians 4. I can do all things in him who strengthens me, and on and on. Amen. In terms of the church fathers, so many sentences come back to me, but a favorite is St. Irenaeus, <clears throat> relaxing God's hands, because I'm an uptight, up, obsessive, compulsive guy. <laughs> Um, just relaxing God's hands. Oh, there's news. So I could go on and on, but I think that's sufficient. That's that's great. Thank you, Dr. Rossi. This has been excellent. Um, where can we find out more about your work? Um, listen to my podcast on Ancient Faith Radio. I post something once every two weeks. Okay. And uh, I've done it now. I've done 185 of them. So, and... What I do is I say my thoughts one session, then I interview somebody the next session. So that pattern, and the interviews are really good. I've interviewed Father John Bear, I've interviewed 
that part of Tikkun, and then the Bishukshan Abdullah. So, so really, really good. Um, and my two books, Becoming the Healing Presence, has gotten back to me really good reviews for parish book studies. It's been translated into Romanian, to my utter surprise. So that's about it. All right. you know, I'm an old man who lives alone and in, in these times goes out once every two days and I'm a happy camper. Well, you have Alexa. I mean, you're pretty up with the times, it seems like. And you're using Zoom. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you. We're different. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Rossi. It's been a pleasure. I know so many dads will uh, find so much value in this. So thank you for sharing it. I appreciate it. Thank you, David. Thank you for doing this good work, initiating and upstarting this wonderful adventure to share stuff with everybody. Thank you. And we'd love to have you back on, um, you know, when that book comes out to tell us more about it. Good. I'd like that. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Now let's get to this week's reading from The Wisdom of Sirach. And we're going to continue with what we had from episode 36, where we went from the intro to The Wisdom of Sirach up to and including um, chapter 3. So we're going to start on chapter 4. Care of the poor and needy. My son, do not deprive the poor of his living, and do not keep eyes in need waiting. Do not grieve a soul who is hungry nor provoke to anger a man in despair. Do not trouble a heart that was made resentful. Do not put off the gift of a man in need. Do not reject a suppliant who is afflicted, nor turn your face away from a poor man. Do not turn your eye away from a needy man, and do not give a man occasion to curse you. For if he curses you in the bitterness of his soul, his maker will hear his prayer. Make yourself beloved in the assembly, and bow your head to a great man. Incline your ear to a poor man, and answer him peaceably, and with gentleness." Deliver a person who has been wronged from the hand of the wrongdoer, and do not be faint-hearted when you judge his case. Be like a father to orphans, and like a husband to their mother, and you will be like a son of the Most High, and he will love you more than your mother. Pursuit of Wisdom Wisdom exalts her child, and lays hold of those who seek her. Whoever loves her loves life, and those who come to her early in the morning will be filled with gladness. He who holds fast to her will inherit glory. And the Lord blesses every place she enters. Those who serve her will minister to the Holy One. And the Lord loves those who love her. He who obeys her will judge the nations. And he that gives heed to her will live with confidence. If he trusts in her, he will inherit her. And his posterity will be in possession of her. At first she will walk with him on disturbing paths and bring fear and dread upon him. And she will torment him with her discipline until she can trust his soul and test him with her ordinances. Then she will come straight back to him and will, and will gladden him and reveal her secrets to him. If he wanders away, she will forsake him and hand him over to his ruin. Shame and sin. Watch for a proper opportunity and keep yourself from evil. And do not bring shame upon your soul. For there is a shame that brings sin and there is a shame which is glory and grace. Do not show partiality to someone to your own harm. And do not let your respect for another cause you to fall. Do not withhold a word in time of need. For wisdom is made known by word, and instruction by a word of the tongue. Do not speak against the truth, and do not be put to shame by your ignorance. Do not be ashamed to confess your sins, and do not exercise force against the current of a river. Do not subject yourself to a foolish man, and do not show partiality to a ruler. Fight to the death for the truth, and the Lord God will fight for you. 
Do not be rash with your tongue and sluggish and neglectful in your works. Do not be like a lion in your home and act in pretense with your servants. Do not let your hand be extended to receive and shut when you should repay. Chapter 5. God is the Lord. Do not set your heart on your possessions. Do not say, I am independent. Do not follow yourself in your strength so as to walk in the desires of your heart. And do not say, who will be Lord over me? For the Lord will surely punish you. Do not say, I sinned, so what happened to me? For the Lord is patient. Do not be so confident of atonement that you will add sin to sin. Do not say his compassion is great. He will atone for the multitude of my sins. For both mercy and wrath come from him, and his anger rests on sinners. Do not delay do not delay to the Lord, and do not put it off from day to day. For suddenly the wrath of the Lord will come, and the day of vengeance you will perish. Do not set your heart on dishonest wealth, for it will profit you nothing in the day of distress. Control of the tongue. Do not winnow with every wind, do not follow every road, for a double-tongued sinner is of such a kind. Be established in your understanding, and let your word be be consistent. Be quick to listen and give your answer with patience. If you have understanding, answer your neighbor. But if not, let your hand be over your mouth. There is glory and dishonor in speech, and a man's tongue may cause him to fall. Do not be called a slanderer, and do not lie in ambush with your tongue. For shame awaits a thief." and a grievous condemnation will come upon a double-tongued man. In a great or in a small matter, do not go wrong. I pray that you receive this in a way that's instructive, in a way that God intended. And I pray that you have a blessed week. And please go back to this episode two or three times this week if you need to, and come join us on the Facebook page and uh, share your thoughts there, facebook.com slash daddevotionals, or also email me, daddevotionals at gmail.com. I wish you a blessed week, and I'll see you next time. Hey, dads, are you responsible for your household or business finances? If so, check out my website, runthemoney.com. Run the Money is the place for money management tips for saving more, paying off debt, and budgeting. I also give you ideas and information for starting a side business. If you're in between jobs or need a way to get a better handle on your family's money, go to runthemoney.com for free articles on money management. That's runthemoney.com, R-U-N-T-H-E-M-O-N-E-Y, all one word, runthemoney.com. I'll see you there. Thank you for listening to Dad Devotionals with me, Dave Domzowski. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and also email us at daddevotionals at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash daddevotionals and also youtube.com slash daddevotionals. Make sure to subscribe, like us, do whatever you got to do to stay in touch. Thank you for listening.